0: This is R. J. Rushdoony, Easy Chair Number 392, August the 13th, 1997. At this time, Douglas Murray, Andrew Sandlin, and I are going to discuss the Zambian Conference. Before I turn it over to Andrew, who is there and will report on it, I'd like to say that uh, those of you who contributed to the Zambian uh, conference in the way of financial support have received a tape. And uh, on that tape, Andrew Sandlin, Brian Abshire, Wayne Johnson, and... I think it was only those three Russians. Those three, yes. Yeah. Uh, all uh spoke at some length about uh, the meeting. Now, Andrew is not going to do more than occasionally duplicate uh, what was said in that tape, but he's going to try to give you a, an overall perspective. What happened, why it was important, what the... Uh, country is like but before we do uh, listen to Andrew I'd like to say a little bit about Africa and why it is important Peter Hammond is working full time of course in Africa he will be speaking in early October at the conference in Sacramento where Andrew and I will also speak Aaron Kayayan works in French-speaking Africa as Peter does in English-speaking Africa. Why is Africa so important? Well, the world is concentrating on Africa to a startling degree. The United Nations, the various major powers are all interfering in Africa. As Andrew can tell you, that country, Zambia, was gutted by the Marxists during the time they were in control. Slavery has returned to Africa and only lately after almost, well, more than 30 years of it have uh, the media paid any attention to it and much of that is due to the unrelenting insistence of Peter Hammond. There is an interesting article about that slavery in the American Spectator February 1997 on pages 52 and 53 and it speaks of two reporters from the Baltimore Sun with a crew from Dateline NBC went with Christian Solidarity International into the Sudan. They bought two slaves in southern Sudan who had been seized in a raid. But uh, they not only bought them, they brought them back and uh, NBC Dateline did feature the entire matter. Farrakhan had denied that there was slavery. He refused to speak to the men from NBC or anyone else. Finally, with some reluctance, they did get uh, a comment from Jesse Jackson that indeed there is a serious slavery issue in Sudan and Mauritania. Well, that was as the article says, a grudging comment. But uh, there is slavery there. The world is intent on keeping it secret. There are problems with Africa as it, to its future. So far, farming uh, efforts on a major scale have not been successful. The heat and the soil... Uh, means that very quickly soils can be exhausted. However, the natural resources of Africa, apart from that, mineral and other resources, are enormous, and uh, oil resources as well. So the world is abnormally interested in Africa. It has been said that In our time, about 300 Christians are martyred every day, but about 600 are converted every day. The interesting thing is that a fair percentage of both, a fairly high percentage of both, the converts and the victims are in Africa. Well, Andrew, uh, tell us uh, all you can in the span of time we have, and... Douglas and I will
1: interrupt when we want to hear a little more about a particular point. Good, and both of you, I invite you to stop me as I go along if you need any clarification. Just a quick background on the country. Uh, Zambia was uh, a British colony, formerly in northern uh, Rhodesia. Um, As the British Empire incrementally decreased, uh, Zambia, too, gained its independence, I think, 1962, 1963, yes. something like that. Uh, <clears throat> Zambia, at the time, was one of the wealthiest countries uh, in Africa, uh, exporting a great deal of copper. In fact, probably one of the leading exporters of copper per capita uh, in the world. Uh, not long after the independence, however, um, a nationalistic <coughs> leader... Uh, was elected uh, Kenneth Kahunda and uh, been trained in uh, Marxist and Marxist leaning institutions in France and um, started implementing uh, those policies and including uh, basically a terrorist police state and exporting revolution and just drove the country financially into the ground. Brian Abshire pointed out he was one of our team uh when he would talk to some of the Zambians there and he'd comment on the um, the state of the roads, they'd say, Well you ought to seen them seven years ago, uh before the election. But he'd say, Now how long since they've been repaired before that? He says, Oh, again and again when he'd ask about repairs or that sort of thing, people would say, Oh last time that was that was really repaired was nineteen sixty three. In other words when the when the British were, were still there. Um but uh, thank the Lord in spite of that and all of that uh, sort of socialism and uh, Kahunda's regime and I want to mention something about him Zambia basically was a launching pad for Marxist revolution in the entire continent Uh, in fact probably what happened in South Africa could not have happened at least as quickly as it did and to the extent to which it did were it not for the haven for revolutionaries and others in fact, a lot of people don't don't know this, but uh, there were essentially prison camps and torture centers in Zambia, uh, where other uh, revolutionaries or true genuine uh, freedom fighters would be captured and, and uh, brought there and tortured. Just it was just a terrible, terrible place. Well, because of increasing pressure, there were free elections there in 1991, and thank the Lord, a, a democracy uh was placed into office with an explicitly christian president and vice president one thing i want to mention before that speaking of kahunda who really was the Maozi tongue of of africa i picked up when i was in zambia interesting book uh, the end of the kahunda era by john m mowa uh, i'm probably mispronouncing that but this is just so remarkable i was telling rush this <coughs> um, A couple of weeks ago, I guess it was. Speaking of Kahunda's background, listen to this about his father. His father's name was David. David Kahunda was the first pioneer missionary in Chief Nakula's area for the Church of Scotland. Not much has been written in missionary diaries about his missionary activities over a period of eight years before the first white missionary arrived there in 1913. McPherson has stated that the missionary work of David Kahunda... In Chinsali, from the station he established at Lubwa, was courageous work of great significance, fully worthy to be listed among the pioneering undertakings of the church in Central Africa. Then he goes on. By the way, David Kahunda was known among the people as the tireless traveler. Speaking of this, he was ordained in 1929. His son, Kenneth Kahunda, comes from a family with a strong Christian background. Because his father was a minister of religion, there was much hymn singing and prayers in the family. Mm -hmm. So this man was not only a Marxist, but he was an apostate. He knew the truth. He was trained in a Christian family. And that uh, makes it doubly damning. But the good news, as I said, is that um, Frederick Chaluba and General Meanda, the vice president, were elected in the MND in um, 1991 in free elections, the first free elections in um, Zambia for a number of years. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, when the Western press said, you know, what's going to be the constitution of your country? They, first of all, held up the Bible and said, this fundamentally will be our constitution. And Zambia is an officially Christian nation. In fact, it's basically the only officially Christian nation on the earth. doesn't mean people are forced to be Christians. It's recognized as an officially Christian nation with freedom of worship. But at any rate, and I'll move on quickly, we were invited by some of the leading citizens of Zambia, to come there to hold a conference because they're interested in this re-establishing Christian civilization. I will say that Zambia, although it's made great strides, is still a very poor country uh, because of uh, what happened uh, these 27 years of, of socialism. Another real problem in Zambia, despite the the poverty is um, HIV and AIDS not principally because of homosexual activity although there's some but because of the tainted blood supply that's an epidemic problem in Africa in fact there are no official figures but the unofficial figures from the CDC in Atlanta are roughly 65% of the population is infected with HIV which of course doesn't necessarily mean that they'll get AIDS but still that's a, that's a significant number we saw virtually no old people there. Hardly any people, even in their fifties. That is
0: true in most of Africa.
1: Yes, because of the. Yes, it's true in Zaire. I've been told. Uh, hard to find anyone over forty-five. It's that 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 <clears throat> is really tragic because there's a real work of reconstruction that needs to be done. A lot of. Um, the clothing, for instance, there's almost all secondhand. In fact, there's a big market for secondhand clothing. The taxis there are are just cars, you know, 20 years old that don't have the the uh, little things to roll down the the handles for rolling down the windows, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, we we were right downtown in a in what was probably the nicest hotel in the country, but by our standards course it was not would be like a a medium level moderate hotel but at any rate we we held the conference there it was very well attended um, for Zambia I mean the the attendance was about 160 or so for right downtown Lasaka was outstanding a number of politicians attended uh, a number of pastors the, uh, the, the Christian, I guess the denomination that has the greatest influence there probably among evangelical, what we would call Bible believing people, is the Pentecostals. They're not in many cases like the, what we would call wild-eyed TV sort of charismatics in this country. Uh, they have a very simple faith, but it's a very genuine faith. They do love God. They do love His law. Uh, interestingly enough they're not basically dispensational at all they believe in the full authority of the Word of God they don't know the Word of God perhaps as much as they should and that's one reason that we went to help to teach them but there's a real uh, genuine heartfelt Christianity Um, the desire for charity for witnessing for standing for the truth that's there I wish we could bring some of them back here as a matter of fact to, to help our own country But there was a lot of pre-conference preparation. Brian Abshire and one of his deacons, Dave Warren, went over and did a great deal of work with the press, radio, TV, handbills. We were on a number of radio stations and television and and so forth, and that really helped contribute to the success of the conference. Um several of us met with a number of the politicians there. I'll mention some interesting uh a couple of interesting stories there. We met with the um Deputy Minister of, I believe it was a Deputy Minister of Finance, Rush, Danny Poulet, fine, godly uh, Pentecostal man, and he, he, he ex- was happy we were in the country. We talked about him a number of things and said he'd have to excuse himself. He wouldn't be able to attend the conference because one of his friends who was scheduled to preach a revival meeting in a, in a neighboring city couldn't come, and he was going to step in and preach at the revival meeting. Wayne and I were talking about uh, would to God we had some politicians in this country that couldn't attend meetings because they had to preach in, in revival meetings. Which reminds me, we, we met the vice president in the VIP lounge in the airport, a fine, godly man, uh, General, uh, General Meanda. Uh, because there was some problem getting signals crossed and in planning, he wasn't able to come to the conference to open the conference, although uh, he was supposed to. He invited us to come again, and we said, Well, we'd love for you to, to open the conference with a speech. He says, "If I come, I won't deliver a speech. I'll preach. That's what I like to do." So uh, he's a fine, articulate man. In fact, we were Peter Hammond was acquainting him, reacquainting him with what's going on in Sudan, and he expressed his outrage, of course. And we don't have time to go into that. But uh, the Christians there want to help their brothers and sisters that are suffering. So in um, in the Sudan, I told him the vice president uh, pointed out that. Uh, the press really gives us, gives their country short shrift here in the, in, in the U.S. And we said, well, we're trying to counteract that. Of course, the press in the West, well, first they try to ignore Zambia because it's a small third world country. And second of all, they don't want to mention much at all about a country that's an explicitly Christian country. And I'll do anything they can, of course, to destroy the president. They've been trying to do that in the Western press. Well, uh, Rush, you were mentioning how you'd read some stories about Kenneth Kahunda, the previous, uh, dictator. Uh, who was here in the U.S. courting our politicians oh, yeah, and representatives. Lecturing
0: in Washington, D.C.
1: Yes. Uh, and by the way, there's good evidence also that and the, the word on the streets when we were there was that he was traveling to other African countries to round up a sort of a, um, not a militia force, what do you call people that you hire for? Uh, mercenary. A mercenary force to come back and by force take over the country. Uh, but actually, the, 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 the Christian government there is is quite strong. Uh, they've instituted free market reforms, but it's not easy because you've got a population there to a large extent that are accustomed to, to socialism. And one thing that we try to do at the conference, especially uh, Monty Wilson, who spoke, and Wayne Johnson was to point out the, the necessity of just simple, basic Christian economics, including hard work. Mm-hmm. Personal responsibility. What other natural resources do
2: they have to raise money besides copper? There's some,
1: that's a good question. Um, There are some very fertile farming areas in, uh, let me see, Ramasaka, north, see what I mean, the north uh, eastern part of the country. In fact, uh, if any of you wants to invest in Zambia, we talked with some of the representatives about that. Land is free. And they will put you on the fast track. If you want to come there, Pay the money to clear the land and hire people. You can have, within reason, as much land as you want. They grow a lot of maize, corn, and uh, soybeans and that sort of thing. So there certainly is fertile land there. One problem is it does have to be cleared, and it takes heavy equipment to do that. And uh, they don't have as, as much heavy equipment, obviously, as we do in the U.S. But uh, copper is really, they have a whole area there called the Copper Belt. It's one of their major exports, but if you... Some of you may know that the, the, the market for copper in the U.S. has not been, the, I mean in the world, has not been the greatest the last uh, oh, 15, 20 years.
2: It's not ever going to be because of fiber optics. Fiber yeah. optics are replacing wires.
1: One thing that has helped, though, is, is there there is a slight, or more than a slight, there's a significant spark of, of, of uh, free market desire and, and enterprise and all that sort of thing. Uh, in textiles and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, How do they ship their
2: goods out of the country? I mean, how would they export?
1: Uh, I think probably for the most part over land. I uh, I think that their main trading partners are there in Africa. Now, this is one point that's a very negative uh, thing that I I think I forgot to mention on the other tape. And Rush, this is something you'll find very significant. Um, Strangely... One country that's very interested in Zambia is the People's Republic of China. Mm. They've had representatives uh, want to come there to visit and interested in establishing trade and that sort of thing. And, uh, of course, the Zambians there are very wary of that, but um, they're, they're still at a very young stage of ruling, so sometimes they don't know how to deal with these situations. So that's something that we need to really... Really, uh, pray a great deal about uh, America. When Johnson talked to one of his friends beforehand, I think in the in the State Department, and America is not terribly interested in Zambia, of course, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> but certainly could be interested if the free market reforms work out well, as it appears as though th- as though they will. Zambia could be a real haven. Mm-hmm. Rush, go ahead. Well,
0: East Africa was centuries ago uh, an area of Chinese interest and expansion. A little before, let's say, a generation before Columbus, the uh, Chinese admiral Cheng Ho, uh, not the Chinese form of the name, but the name as it was uh, put down by Westerners, was a remarkable man. He... uh, built up uh, a naval fleet at the behest of a sympathetic emperor, took over Ceylon and portions of southern India and established bases in East Africa. And they have actually found uh, evidences of the Chinese occupation Mm. which was for trading purposes. Well the history of the world would have been very much different if uh, Cheng Ho's uh, work had been carried on. But the next emperor was not interested. The world outside of China didn't count for him so that uh, the Chinese domination of uh, East Africa and uh, Southeast Asia ended with the death of Cheng Ho. Well, in the post-World War II era, the Chinese Marxists in the 60s, as the colonies became independent, began to settle Chinese into some parts of East Africa where a rice uh, culture could be perpetuated. I've heard nothing about what has happened to those uh, settlements. But uh, China very definitely wants to expand into Africa. It feels it has a lot of people that it can just ship over there at Mm -hmm. will. Now, uh, I think it's very significant that they are showing their interest in Zambia and I'm sure other countries Mm -hmm. in uh, central
1: south and eastern uh, Africa. It's very interesting, Rush. I had no idea about that background. That really does lend some explanation to why they're making overtures to to Zambia. The the economy there is, after all these years, is a f- free market economy. In fact, I won't read from it, but brought with me a book that I picked up on the university library. There are Democracy in Zambia, key speeches of President Jaluba, and a number of them are, are are basically speeches pointing out the need for free markets and so forth. And um, I'll just read quickly. He says in one of his speeches in 1992, Africa's lag vis-a-vis the rest of the world economically is astronomical. We need good governance. But then he points out the fact that um, we really need to step up the economy. And yes, Rush, go ahead and have a look at that. But, from a, of course, free market economy alone is not going to do anything if you don't have a, a society based on God's law. And that's exactly what Zambia is working on. They've, uh, thank the Lord, criminalized abortion and uh, also homosexuality, uh, excuse me, uh, pornography. And, uh, and they're really working toward implementing uh, a biblical moral code there. It's not easily done because uh, the country's making a transition. There are still state schools there, though uh, people are free to start Christian schools. In fact, we talked to the deputy minister of, um, of education about a number of things. Uh, we asked him, what's a good investment opportunity in Zambia? He said, please send someone over to invest in a Christian university. Can you imagine someone in our department of education making such a statement? I said... If we were to provide you, we in America have all sorts of Christian curricula for Christian schools. Would you be willing to examine it? He said, please send me some. Uh, Of course, eventually, we we need to get the government out of the education business. But until they can make that transition, they're very open uh, to these sorts of things. And this man that we talked to, this deputy minister, was also a fine fine Christian man. I want to mention, out, mention too, Rush, that uh, in talking with him, we found out that militarily, Zambia is very vulnerable. Uh, constantly we heard, well, Zambia does not want war. We're a peace- peacekeeping people. In fact, we found out that their military force, Doug, uh, which you'll be interested in this, is down to like about 15,000. 21,000 a few years ago. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, Wayne Johnson pointed out to the deputy minister, you don't understand if your free market reforms are successful. You guys are going to be very vulnerable to your socialistic neighbors. You're going to see Zambia as a great place to attack for economic advantage. And he admitted that that's something that they really needed to address. Mm-hmm. Um, their, mili- their military force, no doubt, is, is good, but they just are not as strong as they need to be. So that's something else we need to, need to pray about. We visited the uh, University of uh, Zambia. It really, the, the, the library rush is just staggeringly bad after all of these years. I mean, the top of the line most modern books they have are uh, like Encyclopedia Britannicus from 1963. I mean, it's just like someone has, in fact, it, no doubt someone from other English-speaking countries have taken their old, old, you know, reference books and just shipped them over there. I talked to one of the fellows in charge there, not the library, this was a bookstore, and I said, if we sent you books, and of course I was thinking, Rush, mainly about your books and other good Reformed and Reconstructionist books, would you sell them? He said, please send them. Of course we'll sell them. We'll put them in the library. And of course I've, we've, we've decided to do that, and we're, we are doing that. But uh, <clears throat> So Zambia certainly has a long way to go. We, we spoke at the conference. Um, we were able to lay a foundation. Since the conference was only three days long, uh, we weren't able to get into a whole lot of applications, but we did deal with substantive topics. Uh, all of the Bible is for all of life. The role of the clergy, ministers in in Reformation, uh, the necessity for free market reform and hard work. Uh, Peter Hammond delivered an outstanding message on the Christian her- our Christian heritage and so forth. But um, certainly, it's uh, it's a situation we must need to pray about, and perhaps we can talk about it a little more. Uh, Perhaps, Rush you'd like to, to finish
0: this side of the tape. Uh, please turn your tape over at this time, and we
1: shall continue. Thank you. I'll mention a couple of interesting stories. Some of you may be interested, uh, I don't believe I mentioned this on the earlier tape, about the food in Zambia. Of course, we ate what be would be, by their standards, very succulent food. Um, They use maize or corn in a lot. Uh, They made like a sort of a cornbread style dish that we ate and um, uh, they had quite a bit of beef there and chicken made in various ways. Very little fish. It's a landlocked country. I think I Mm -hmm. mentioned that there's not a lot of fish in in Zambia at all. Very dry climate. Remarkably dry. Uh, Probably even drier than here in Northern California, Raj. Almost like Arizona. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just very, very dry. Um, of course, we were downtown, but from the air, I, I really didn't see much livestock. I don't know exactly where it was, mm-hmm. but uh, there, no doubt there's some. But uh, at any rate, the, uh, none of us really got sick. Um, Monty Wilson, I take that back. Monty Wilson got sick in South Africa, not in Zambia, mm-hmm. by drinking the water. Uh, we were in South Africa one night, and... uh Thank the Lord we didn't have a car. I don't know how many of you know that carjacking is a horrendous problem Mm. in South Africa. It's not a problem in Zambia, not much of a problem in Zambia. But uh, the food was quite good, and I thought I wouldn't be eating much there because we have to be careful in those countries about what you eat, but I found out that I'd gained a pound or two when I came back. So we ate pretty well, most of us, and that was fine. But I've got to juxtapose that with another tragic story and something that perhaps it was the most tragic story of the entire uh, of the entire trip uh, there was a a dear woman I would say probably rush in her 40s came up to uh, one of our board members one of our speakers there Wayne Johnson after one of his talks and introduced herself and and he said what do you do and she says well I'm a I'm a minister in our village and he said, uh, she was Pentecostal, of course, and he let her know in a kind of gentle way, you know, that may not be the best thing. It's not a good idea. The Bible doesn't permit women to be ministers. and is, Are there some men in the village? Uh, the men should be taking the lead. And she says, Mr. Johnson, you don't understand. There are no men in our village. They've all been decimated by disease. And it tends to attack men much more than women, by the way, the, the disease. No men in our village. There are nothing but widows and children in our village. And, of course, his interest was piqued. And he said, well, ma'am, tell me more about this. She said, uh, well, basically what I've done in our village, because it's so poor, is uh, I've, I've had to start basically an orphanage in my own house. Uh, my husband died, and I see these little little orphans' children in the street, literally in the street, starving. And uh, she said, I, I can't... Mr. Johnson, I, I, I don't have anything, but I can't let them starve. She, so she... She, she's taken, I think it's fifteen to seventeen, something like that, into her house. She every morning she gets up and bakes pies, takes them down to the market and sells them, so she can get enough, you know, good food, so that she can take back and provide for these children. And she started a Christian school in her house. She the only, in fact, she had to she had to finance a curriculum, a nine hundred dollar curriculum. She's using ACE, which as you know is a, a Christian curriculum. And uh, she says, "I don't know. I don't have the money for it, but this is the somebody's got to do it." She says, "There's no minister in the village." She says, "I have to minister. I mean, there was nobody there to preach, so I have to, t- to preach the word of God." And of course, we thought of the stories in the word of God when there weren't men, and women had to take up the job, even though it's never ideal, the job of, of preaching the word. And so. Thank God, uh, Wayne was able to say, um, you know what, I'll, I'll take care of, of providing for the uh, Christian curriculum for your students there and we'll do what we can to help you and put her into contact with Monty Wilson and his ministry of global impact of, of getting some support for this woman. Just a heart-wrenching story and that can be duplicated in so many cases. Uh, the, the population of men has just been decimated by socialism first, of course, and also by disease. And, but because of that and... You women will find this interesting. There's a very strong women's movement in Zambia, but it's not a sort of egalitarian, secularist women's movement. Uh, It's imperfect, far from perfect, but it's a push to get women involved in politics. But uh, it's not the wild-eyed fanatical thing. It's just there are so many women there, and uh, there's so much work that needs to be done. In fact, the women there are in the forefront of the anti-abortion crusade, Mm -hmm. the anti-pornography crusade. In fact, I met one of the women and, and talked to her, a fine Christian woman, uh, not one of these loud-mouthed uh, uh, you know Kate Michaelman sort of uh, mm-hmm. people like we would have in that women in this country, not at all. So if you're going to have a woman's movement, the one in Zambia is much better than anywhere just about anywhere else in the world. But um, at any rate, those are some of the, some of the thoughts that I have uh, after coming back. Um, as I said, the meeting was well attended. We were able to influence a number of people. I uh, want to mention, I didn't write this down, but uh, we you, you'll find this interesting. There are a couple of uh, young, very sharp-looking uh, young men came into the conference, and as they would come in, we would greet them, hello, where are you from? Most of them said, uh, oh, we're from the Pentecostal church, and we'd say, very good, Lord bless you, and they would come in. A couple of young, sharp fellows came in. It looked a little different. I shook their hand, I said, uh I said, where are you from? They said, oh, we are from the Reformed Church. And my eyes jumped to that dig. From the the Reformed Church. We're Reformed. And so I grabbed them real quickly, Rush, and I pulled them over to the side, and I started uh, asking them questions, you know, querying them. They said, there's a very small Reformed seminary here, 20 or 30 is all." And, uh, we study the works of Calvin and others. We don't have much, but we know the Reformed faith is true. And my, I was just almost crying to see the, how that the Reformed faith itself, too, had it found a, found a foothold there, even in Zambia, after all of these years of socialism, amid all of the Pentecostalism, that there is a Reformed testimony there. So I, I, I didn't do this to many other people there, but I went over to some of the books we sent. These fellows were very sharp, as Reformed people usually are. Got a big stack of your books, Rush, and marched over quietly and said, "You take these. You take these back to the seminary and you read these books and study these books." And gave them the names of other authors like Dabney and Van Til, you know, and uh, various other Calvin and and various others. Did you get their address? Oh, absolutely. And uh, uh, don't worry, we've got it. We'll send. Let's send them a stack of books. We are, and I've, I think I've already alerted the office to that rush, but. um so there is there is a, a reformed testimony there, and uh, but but the churches overall are working well uh, working well together. That is the Bible believing churches. There of course are some liberal churches, but I even get the sense that there were too many mm-hmm. liberal churches there. I was able to start there a Reformation Society, and what was remarkable about it, there were um, oh maybe about uh, mm, see twenty five or thirty people interested in starting a society in Lusaka. Here I was there sitting with all of these dear uh, black Zambian people and they said how do you start one of these and so I started talking about 10 or 15 minutes and one of the most amazing and gratifying things happened after a while I wasn't talking anymore they were saying, now I know when we can get together. We can get together on the 13th and you can come and one of the trains running from down here to Lusaka and they had making all of these great plans and I think so-and-so's the minister, a fine fellow called George, whose name I can't remember, just sent me a letter last week, by the way. They've had their first meeting and are making wonderful plans about influencing Zambia for the sake of Christianity. Put that letter in the report. I will. It's a, it's a fascinating letter uh, and it was just filled with gratitude. But um, what's so remarkable about all of this rush is that I saw there among those people not an attitude, well, you have to do everything for us, uh-huh. which happens so many times, but an attitude of, well, if you can get us the ball, we can get the ball rolling, we can go with it. Uh-huh. And in fact, he said in the letter, George did, they've elected like four men, all preachers to be leaders, one president, vice president, secretary treasurer, secretary, one treasurer, something like that. And uh, I said, now, what is your main goal going to be? Now, there are all sorts of things you can attack here from a biblical standpoint. They said, we've got to get the churches interested in a full, comprehensive biblical faith. And I said, I agree. Let's work on that. They've made plans to do that. And that's where the real change is going to come. Even though Zambia does have a Christian government, civil government, as you know, that's not where the change basically comes. It comes from people at the grassroots level, Christians, uh, families, churches, independent churches, churches that are willing to take a stand for the faith. And uh, that's, it's, it's already started there. Uh, but we really need to pray for them in um, our brothers and sisters there in Zambia. Are there any uh, questions or anything else maybe that we need to discuss about that specifically? What was the climate like? <laughs> there we go. I hadn't written that down, Rush. Uh, we were there, of course, in the winter. Uh, uh, you might say
0: their seasons are the reverse. Yeah, just the reverse
1: of ours. Of ours right? We went in in July, but in uh, June rather. Uh, their winter was uh, was very. It was just beautiful. It was like a oh, probably seventy seventy five degrees, sunny every day, low humidity. Just we spent a lot of time outside. Mm-hmm. Just beautiful. The oddity though is the Zambians because it's so hot in the summer. They were wearing their winter coats and <laughs> so worried about how cold that it was. Uh, <laughs> I will have to give you an, another amusing story. Uh, <clears throat> the pastor, one of the pastors that invited us, who helped with the conference, Zambia Christian Action, was John Giri. Uh Most of you know that malaria mm-hmm. uh, is a real problem in Zambia, as in most other sub-Saharan, many other sub-Saharan African countries, and it's and it's carried almost exclusively by mosquitoes, particular mm-hmm. types of mosquitoes. Well, the first night it was so warm inside the hotel, we were having a strategy meeting, about ten or fifteen of us. And I said, it's so warm in here, let's sort of retire outside by the pool where it's nice and cool. Well, I wasn't thinking about the possible problem with uh, with the mosquitoes. So we all marched out there and there was a nice table and we were sitting by the pool. And I got to thinking there's a light there and that attracts bugs. And I said, you know, this may not have been a good idea because of malaria. And Peter Hammond, so positive, you know, said, oh, I don't think there's a really a malaria problem down here. And it's John. John, Jerry, and John looked at him without cracking a smile and said, oh, many, many people die from malaria. It's a very <laughs> serious problem. And he says, usually when you're by lights and by large bodies of water. That's right. What. And we were just sitting there right by the pool. Mm-hmm. About this time, Wayne Johnson, who's very amusing, thought he'd be funny and started sort of slapping himself. As though uh, as though there were mosquitoes around, and after a while, all of us were scratching and itching and wanting to go inside, even though we actually didn't see a mosquito. It was the psychological side of it, you know. It right. was uh, interesting, but the fact that we were there in winter did decrease the chances. You know, they're much more prevalent in um, in summer. We did visit the, um, as I said, we visited the university, the bookstore there, which was not terribly well stocked. Uh, and the christian books there were uh, of a very uh, which i say very evangelical very light insubstantial fluff and that's why i asked one of the uh, one of the fellows there running the store if we sent you books would you sell them he said oh please send us books and we certainly will sell them and of course we've we've decided to do that
2: what's their uh, medical situation as far as
1: medical uh, facilities and not not very good i did some reading on that before i uh, before i left it's of course obviously better in the uh, in the urban areas they do have some uh, some hospitals but if compared to our situation it's more like we would call uh, like almost like these emergency care clinics yeah. that sort of thing but uh, there is a problem out in the uh, out in the bush um, and I mean out Zambia is actually you know you hear about the African bush mm-hmm. when you get out of the city you certainly see it I mean uh, just People live basically in huts and very simple, simple brick houses, if they do live in, in houses. Uh, <clears throat> just, uh, it's, it's Zambia at this point is a, is a typical third world country.
2: Um, is there much, uh, sign of foreign investment? I mean, any companies,
1: household names that... Yeah, There's some. Was, yeah, I think, uh, I think I saw, um uh, I think Colgate may do some in there and uh, not a great deal. Uh, we stopped in the investment center, by the way, the Zambian Investment Center, and talked with them. And that's when they told us we desperately want investment from the rest. There's just not been a lot of incentive uh, because, uh, of, as you mentioned, the, the copper situation is not, as you well know, the greatest. Uh, but they've got a nice investment portfolio. Other people asked me before I went, they said, will you check on the investment? They want investment desperately. And I think largely in the form of agricultural, because they can, and I think a great deal could be done there because uh, they can grow a lot if they can if somebody has the money to spend clearing the land, a lot of the land is uh, is forested good good fertile soil is it by irrigation or rainfall? I think a little of both rush up in the north. Um, so Zambia Zambia's uh the- well like here the winter season is the wet season uh, <clears throat> so uh but, but i think it 's a little of both up there in the in the fertile north uh, northeastern part of the northeastern part of the country um, but that is an area for concern uh but i think in both in textiles and in agriculture and in a couple of others um, there 's real room for there's real room for, for investment from the West. And I would urge those Christians who, who do have the money to invest that it's a, it's a place to put your money because it's, there's a good, sound, sincere Christian government there, good people. It's not a utopia. There are no utopias on earth, but it's not a dystopia either. It's a, it's a, it's a good, sound Christian econo- uh, country uh, with uh, the makings of a good free market economy. And the church there, for the most part, is is strong, uh, in spite of all the years of persecution. It's amazing how Christianity, by the grace of God, can can survive such even under such persecution. As I said, it's a simple form of Christianity, but nonetheless, it's very genuine. And the people there are very hungry for the truth. I told them one of my talks I gave was, uh, and Rush, you you will of all people, Rush, you will appreciate this. I pointed out. The churches are vital and it's good to have a Christian civil government, but this will not last if you don't have sound Christian schools. Mm -hmm. That is the future. That is the hope. They just drank that in. They said, we want to have that. I talked with one minister who says, can you help me at all? We want more than anything desperately to start a Christian school. We don't feel we have people qualified. I said, people qualified or not, it's better to have unqualified, so-called unqualified Christian teachers than pagans teaching your children anytime. Mm-hmm. Uh, because God will bless and He'll provide qualification. So that's, that's something that uh, another matter that we need to pray about. But thank God there is a hunger for Christian schools and for, um, and for a genuine, full-orbed Christianity in the country of Zambia.
2: Do they have uh, very many people who could administer
1: an an
2: ACE uh, type of uh, curriculum?
1: I think so. That one's a pretty basic one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's one reason I think why ACE is there. In fact, I think there are about... I talked with... No, I shouldn't say that. I had an email from a fellow who said, we've got about 40 ACE uh, teachers there, uh, Zambian teachers. So that's a good start. Uh, much more needs to be done, but it's a very good start um, i I wish that uh i could sh- i could uh, demonstrate and convey to you the vitality of the people there um, who, in spite of their poverty they aren't glum you know the attitude mm-hmm. in the u s you know if if everybody doesn't have a new car every year or something they 're glum and that was not their attitude at all they're very grateful people um, just uh we would offer uh, uh, like biscuits, well, you know what, uh, cookies we would say at, at the tea time, tea and biscuits. They would be so grateful and and uh, and happy. And uh, we're not looking for handouts for the most part. There were a couple, uh, as you would have here in the U.S. For the most part, they're people that just wanted to uh, wanted our 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 help, our spiritual help, our theological help, not as much our financial help. Um, yeah, that's probably the best way I could answer mm-hmm. that.
2: They fear. Uh, I mean, do they have give off any sense of fear of foreign intrusion? I mean, not just military, strategic, but influence. Well,
1: that's interesting. I, I was <laughs> here's part of the problem economically. Uh, South Africa has a subsidized a textile, a subsidized clothing. I believe it's clothing industry, and they're really bombarding the Zambian market, uh, able to sell these things at lower than market value. And, of course, they don't want to, you know, because they're free market, uh, they don't want to put up trade barriers, but it's a real problem. I mean, the, the South Africans would like to destroy Zambia, Now that, you know, economically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very sad, but um, but it's true. Uh, they were very open to us. When we talked to the vice president, he thanked us profusely. He said, we could get such a bad name in the press, in the Western press, please help us. In fact, we almost tried to get away from him because the plane was leaving, and he wanted to keep talking to us. He took all of our uh, cards. He sent me an email, by the way, uh, the other day, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was now. General Mianda is a good man, a gr- great patriot, a fine Christian man. Uh, and he, he said we were talking to him, our country, um, you know, God will bless us for our obedience, and that's what we're trying to do, trying to be obedient people. Uh, They're not as concerned, I think, with military... I think they should be slightly more concerned with military invasion than other types of invasion. One thing that they're concerned about is is our America's exporting filthy pornography and dirty movies in there. Mm -hmm. Yes. that's a severe problem. Uh, Because, obviously, there are sinners in Zambia like everybody else, and they get to some cable stations there, and it's a very severe uh, problem. What many people do not
0: realize is that there are literally hundreds of production companies in Hollywood that are doing nothing but uh, producing porno films for export all over the world. And as a result, we have an image that is unspeakable in a good deal of the world because this is uh, hardcore stuff that you'll never see in the United States.
1: Yes, it's um, it's very sad. Speaking of that, though, I will say this: um, all the time I was there, I I just noticed something after three or four days. I was, I guess, I must have been up on the balcony there, or maybe I was in the hotel or something. And I looked once and did a double take, and I noticed that there was a woman there that wasn't quite modestly dressed. And I said, "It's amazing. This is the first one I've seen." What's remarkable in Zambia, largely because of the British influence, but also the Christian influence. The women all dress modestly. The men, e- the boys going to school, and even the men on the streets, they either wear uh, ties and shirts or varied, you know, dress shirts. Old dress shirts, but dress shirts. Mm-hmm. Very modestly dressed. Uh, like the the only immodestly dressed people there that I saw were the stewardesses from the South African Airlines. The people from France mm-hmm. were there. You know, in other words, Westerners for the most part that were there. It's remarkable. Uh, we were driving in the cabs. We would hear Christian music playing in the cabs. We went down to the little gift shop in the, in the hotel and Christian music was playing in the gift shop. Now in what hotel in the United States would Christian music be playing in the gift shop? But it wasn't like it was something artificial. Something, well the Westerners here, let's put on music. It was a very natural thing. We ate lunch there, uh, Wade Johnson and I were eating lunch one day and Rush, and we looked over at a fine group of businessmen. Must have been about, well they look to be businessmen, with suits on and so forth. Must have been about 15 or 20 of them. And right, 15 or 20 Zambian businessmen offering grace, praying before their meal, right before it came. So there are encouraging signs of a real genuine Christian faith there. And that the president is not shy. Especially is the vice president not shy. Rush, you pointed out the talk that he gave at the Cairo Con- Conference on, you know, population. Few years ago, we may want to mention that uh, he
0: gave the most forthright Christian statement imaginable. Came out against abortion, against feminism, against unbelief, and the Western press refused to carry a word of his speech,
1: which was the most
0: startling at the Cairo conference.
1: And that there, there is in fact a genuine Christianity there. And I, I want to say in, in my part of closing, and Rush or Douglas may want to say something else, uh, I was talking with Peter Hammond uh, and also, I believe, with one of the other members and pointed out, we can't assume that the United States will be the area of great reformation anytime soon. We pray it will be, and we're working for that. It could very well be that Africa will be the place because so many of them, Rush, have suffered such under the uh, utopian tyrannies mm-hmm. of Western... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, of Western, you know, so called Western secular democracy. And they, they know what they've gone through. And as you said, there are, there, there are huge numbers being converted every day into Sudan, Zambia, and elsewhere. So this could be the area of a revival. And I'm glad that Calcedon is highlighting the work there because it's a genuine work that we need to highlight and pray for.
0: Yes. <clears throat> the Western world is hostile to us. But apart from the Western world, we are
1: being gladly received. This is amazing, Rush. We, everywhere Peter, virtually everywhere he goes in Africa, except places like Northern Sudan that are Islamic, uh, the books he takes, he makes a number of Chalcedon books in. They're just avidly read. There's a hunger for them. Same is true in
0: French speaking Africa. Yes. Aaron yes. Kyion finds a receptivity
1: there. Yes, it's, it's, and that's why I think that we need to continue to publicize the work of Peter yes. Hammond that he's doing there. And, by, and I'll, I'll, I do need to close with this, but his uh, Peter Hammond is a genuine, fearless Christian man yes. who could be, uh, along with Aaron, the next David Livingston mm-hmm. of Africa, fearless man. Um and I could tell some a number of stories, but I'm hoping that when he's here in October, I don't want to say too much about it, maybe we can get him for an easy chair. Um at any rate, uh this man deserves our support and he's a thorough Christian Reconstructionist, a godly man, and um uh, one that we need to promote.
0: Douglas, any question or comment by way of conclusion?
2: Well, they certainly deserve our support. Uh I think they'll wind up teaching us.
0: Yes could very well happen. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you understand a little more of what we are trying to do and what calcedon represents. We are, as we always have been, a shoestring outfit in our operation, but we have a worldwide impact. It's not surprising that uh, in faraway places Like Africa, we are well known and respected and yet in parts of Europe we are damned by the church, (laughs) as uh, the church resolution you brought indicates. Well, God is using us and God is blessing us and may God bless you as you help further his
1: work through us or others.